Amen. Thank you, Brother Amos. You can be turning to John. John 14, I believe it is. Yes, John 14. John 14. We had, um, I guess, a youth activity Friday after school, and we, I guess, went down to Interlochen and had a hayride and a bonfire and hot dog cooking and s'more cooking on the fire and all that kind of stuff. And uh, my, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm known for the no heeing and sheeing rule in our in our youth group and uh, and so forth. And so we did that, and then we, we went squirrel hunting. Uh, I'll come back to the heeing and sheeing thing in a second. We went squirrel hunting Saturday morning. Uh, there was 10 of us. And uh, out of 10 of us, I think we got two squirrels. Uh, so we did not get uh, skunked. I'm glad we didn't get skunked. But uh, we, uh, uh, we, we did kill two squirrels, and Brother Fox cooked them Saturday night right on the fire. And we all got a little piece, so it tastes like chicken, right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we, we ate some squirrels Saturday evening when the college came down for a hayride. So uh, I guess I was down there from sometime Friday till late, late Saturday night. And, and so... Uh, I was wore out come uh, uh, come uh, Monday after church Sunday. But anyway, uh, we were down there, and uh, the guys and the girls, the teenagers, had already eaten. And I think the guys were kind of, I guess, going inside to play some pool, some ping pong, and there was a little basketball hot shot thing down there. And then, so I see all the girls coming towards me. I was like, oh, no. And uh, so they're all, you know, grouped up, and they're coming towards me. And they asked me, they said, can we play manhunt? And I was like, hmm. So y'all need to watch them. I, they know that there's no he and she in, but they wanted to play manhunt. I don't know. And, and I've caught some of them, you know, t- calling each other dude. And then I even heard one of them the other day said, bruh. <laughs> I mean, girl to girl. You know, bruh. You know, dude. Are, y- are y'all mixed up? Do y'all know the gender thing going on over there? But they wanted to play manhunt. And uh, not yet. Yeah, you can't be hunting for a man yet, all right? And, uh, so I think there is actually a game. It's kind of like a hide-and-go-seek thing. But I said, no, you cannot play manhunt. Uh, but anyway, because they're all mixed up anyway. Calling each other dude and bruh and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, but pray for them. They're a little, they're like some of their moms. They're a little. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, <laughs> John chapter 14, we'll go ahead and get started before I dig a bigger hole. Uh, I got a, a, a text a little earlier today on the way to teen soul winning, and the pastor said that he was sick and wouldn't be here. I was like, okay, Brother Roach, can you take him to teen soul winning? And went, went, ran home real quick. And, uh, and so I had taught this morning uh, in one of my college classes, uh, it's New Testament survey, obviously, and we've uh, made it to the book of Acts. We've obviously went through the the Gospels and so forth, and we're in the book of Acts. And so what I taught today in the book of Acts, I'm going to use as my conclusion. And so I had to go get some introductions and some points and things like that uh, for this. And so uh, I ran home and, and put this together. And I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, for the, the guys upstairs, the title of it is The Promise, the Plan, and the Prophecy. Uh, the Promise and the Plan uh, and the Prophecy. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. 
And thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. And Lord, do ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I guess just speak through me, Lord. Uh, the only way anything would be accomplished tonight is if you do it. So Lord, help me just get out of the way and you preach through me. Uh, speak to our hearts, Lord, and help us realize, Lord, we do have a promise. We have lots of them uh, that we can hold on to. And uh, we're not just left down here without a plan. And obviously, praise the Lord, there's some other things to happen. And Lord, I just ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit and, and speak through us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're here in the book of John, chapter 14, and of course we're talking about the book of Acts, because that's what I was teaching on today. And obviously in the book of Acts, the Lord had ascended, and of course there were some guys standing there gazing, and they were asked, you know, why are you standing here gazing, get busy doing what he told you to do, because he had given them a promise. And he'd given them the plan, and then he had prophesied some things. And so we see here the ascension of the Lord was, is, is a recorded fact of past history. Uh, it was not a made-up Bible story. It was not fictitious. It actually happened and uh, you know, over 2,000 years ago. But those last conversations that he was having uh, right before he left uh, are timeless. And they're for everybody. They weren't just for those people that he was talking to personally. Uh, they were recorded and left for us. So these words are timeless to all believers and to all ages. And uh, therefore, the promise is a present promise. It wasn't a promise for just back then. It's a present promise. And the plan is a present plan. We can, do, we can work that plan now. And of course, that prophecy uh, could be, is a present possibility. It could happen. Uh, and only, and I believe, according to my knowledge and my uh, what I've been taught, that it's the only uh, piece of prophecy that's left to happen. And uh, obviously, we know that is that the Lord's going to come back, uh, because that's what they were told. Hey, you two guys, uh, are you guys standing here in white apparel, gazing? This same Jesus, in like manner, uh, is going to come right. Is going to come back, and that that promise, that prophecy, could happen any time. And so in the way of introduction, we're going to look at the promise, the plan, and the prophecy. And of course, we're in John 14. Uh, we're going to read verse 16. This is where he promised. Uh, if you have a red letter edition Bible, this is him speaking. And uh, so it wasn't something that, that somebody else promised. He promised it. And it says here in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, Jesus is talking, and he shall give you another comforter. That you may abide with, or that he may abide with you forever. And so we see here that this was Jesus' promise. I'm, I'm leaving. And uh, he even told them, Greater things you can do than I. And of course, we know we can't do greater things than Jesus. Uh, I believe he was saying that I've only had three and a half years of my 33 and a half years to do this kind of stuff. You got the rest of your life. Uh, and so get the gospel out. And so, but he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to pray that the Father give you a comforter. Let's skip down to verse 26, same chapter. So that was the promise of the promise, and here's the person of the promise. The first part of uh, chapter 14, verse 26 says this, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. And so, praise the Lord, we have the promise of the Comforter. I know He's living inside of me. Uh, I feel Him daily. I hope you do as well, and praise the Lord, we have that promise. Uh, but the, uh, that was the promise. And then the person of the promise, and then lastly, we're going to look at the, the, the purpose of the promise. Let's skip down to the second part of verse 26. And this is the purpose of that comforter uh, to us believers. And he shall teach you all things. Uh, and so, of course, if somebody says that they can't understand the Bible, and so they want to come up with some other perversion of it, things like that, they're just saying, hey, I'm not saved. Because <clears throat> it says right here that the Holy Ghost will teach you. 
uh, all things. And so if you've got him inside of you, now we can't figure it all out. There's some mysteries in here we'll never be able to uh, uncover and understand. We just got to accept it by faith. But if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, he will teach us. And this, this was his purpose. It says here uh, that, um, and I will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. I love it when that happens. Uh, uh, when you're, you're trying to witness to somebody and, you're, and they're giving you an excuse and the Holy Spirit brings you a verse that will answer that excuse. And he'll bring that to you. I love it when it happens. And here he's just fulfilling his promise uh, that I'll not only teach you all things, I'll bring to your remembrance. And uh, the older you get, the, the more help you need from him to bring you that to your remembrance. Uh, if you're looking at your wife going, uh, 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 you know, he, hopefully he'll bring it back before she gets the frying pan. Uh, but, you know, uh, her remembering her name. But praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit bringing us, bringing to our remembrance what we need to say, what we've learned from the Bible. And then uh, we see here that here's another part of his job. Let's skip over to chapter 16, verse 8. Uh, chapter 16, verse 8. The purpose of that Holy Spirit, he was promised by Jesus. He actually came, and then here's his purpose, was to teach us all things and bring to our remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. And then also over in chapter 16, verse 8, says this, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And so, again, it's his job to do the convicting. Uh, and we don't, we don't convict. Uh, and, I mean, Pastor, I mentioned it a while ago. He's been preaching uh, wonderful sermons uh, about the heart and obviously bringing it around to salvation because we need Jesus in our heart. And time and time again, there's people here that hear that, and the Holy Spirit's convicting, but they probably walk out those doors and do not take the opportunity to be saved. Uh, but... Preacher did, or pastor did his part. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit did his part, uh, but that person turned and walked away. And that's the sad thing about it. Uh, the, the, the person of the promise is here, and he's doing his part. Now, we have to do our part uh, in witnessing to people, and, and he'll do his part of convicting, but they tell me all the time, I got all the way through the plan, and they said they you know, didn't want to do that right now. Uh, and again, I know that happens to me often and, and so forth. And so uh, praise the Lord. He did that. Now, that, that was the promise. And as far as introduction, we're going to look at the plan. Uh, what was the plan? Uh, the provision that the Lord had provided the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could carry out that plan. If he had just given us the plan, it would not have been carried out. Uh, he had to give us the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the, the power, because that's the strength. That's where the strength comes from. Uh, to witness, uh, basically what we are, we're just uh, a one person that has knowledge of some matter. And, of course, that's what I was told when I started learning how to be a soul winner. Just tell them what happened to you. You witness. You tell them what, you, what took place in your life. So tell them what you saw in the Bible. Tell them what the person said to you. Tell them how the Holy Spirit convicted you. You just witness what took place uh, to you. Now, then also part of the plan uh, the, the, the Bible says both in, and I'm sure obviously you know, but it's talking about Jerusalem uh, and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's, that's the purpose of that plan uh, is to, do it, to witness in all those places, uh, and we're supposed to do that. Now, we see here that the Holy Spirit, he will, he will fill you, he will teach you, he will bring to your remembrance, and he will do the convicting, and we're supposed to just witness of the plan. Uh, second part of the plan here is in found in, we won't turn there, but I'll just read it to you, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
This is part of that plan too. Uh, and, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it's our responsibility to witness to them. And if they do get saved, it's our responsibility to disciple is what most people call that. Uh, if you just get them into church, get them into Sunday school, they'll get a lot of discipling. Uh, hearing our pastor teach the Bible and preach the Bible and so forth. Uh, but we see here that's, that's part of the plan. Uh, and then the third thing as far as introduction is the prophecy. And obviously uh, Acts 1 verse 11 it says this, and I've already quoted some of it. This same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him in, and go into heaven. And so this is the prophecy. This is what's going to take place. Uh, it hasn't taken place yet. And there, there's a little bit of, uh, there's a certainty about this plan because it says he's going to so come just like he left. Uh, that's certain. That's a promise from God. Uh, the only uncertain fact about it is not, where, well, will he keep his promise? Well, well, will he ever come back? No, the uncertainty is this. It's found in Matthew 24, 42. I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 36. It says here, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So nobody knows when he's coming back. Uh, and so this is, again, a part of the prophecy. Uh, you know I'm coming. You just don't know when. And so what does he tell us to do? He just says, watch. Matthew 24, 42. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. And so we see here we've been given a promise of the Holy Spirit. We have him. We've been given a plan to work. And then we're supposed to work that plan till he comes back. And so we say, let us be aware of his ascension. Uh, even though it's a historical event, uh, let us be more a part of his present promise and his plan of watching. So what are we supposed to do until he comes back? Uh, we've got a couple things here we're going to look at. Uh, Acts 1.8, obviously the key verse of Acts. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So this is what we're supposed to do until he comes back. Uh, and there it is. Unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, uh, we're supposed to witness. And I, I told them, obviously, in class, that word witness is found 30 times in the book of Acts. And so we've heard preachers say it. I know I've heard preachers say it. If God says it one time, he, he, it's, a, it's the truth, and he means it. It was not a suggestion. So if God says it one time, so if he tells us in the Bible to witness 30 times, he's pretty serious. There's places in the Bible where he calls people's name twice. You know, I was teaching in the academy today about Martha, Martha, uh, and so forth. Now, I don't know that my mom or my dad ever called me by my name twice like that, but if it was ever the whole name, if I ever heard James, Robert, Stanley, uh, I got cold chills going up my spine. Because uh, I knew they had found out. Because there were several things that I had done. <laughs> I, I knew it. All right. Uh, but I had, I, my cold chills was because they had found out about one of them. All right. And, uh, you know, so I, I kept my mouth shut. Boy, come here. Uh, I wasn't confessing. Uh, you know, what? What? And uh, just, you know, anyway, uh, I'm not saying do it that way. But uh, uh, if I ever heard my full name, I knew it was serious. And so we see here we, we're commanded to witness uh, uh, 30 different times in the book of Acts. And so we're supposed to do that. Uh, if we look in Acts uh, 1, verse 13 and 14, we'll see here that they, they, they were standing there gazing, and they were told, hey, get busy witnessing. 
and you take the Holy Spirit that's been given to you. He, he's going to teach you. He's going to empower you. He's going to bring to your mind everything that you need. You just get busy witnessing. And they said, yes, sir. Okay. Uh, they, got, they got started. And so when they left the Mount of Olives there, they went back to the upper room. Uh, if you look at verse 13, they went into the upper room. And it says that they went in there and uh, they were in one accord and they were praying. And uh, if you can never get a whole group of people to do that, to be in one accord and to pray, stuff's going to start happening. Uh, obviously, the Bible says the gates of hell cannot prevail against this church. But anything that goes on inside here can. And so if there's not one accord, Satan can win. If there's not all of us praying together, Satan can win. So this is what they, they realized. And they said, okay, he left. We got the Holy Spirit. So we're, they, we're coming back in one accord, focused together. Uh, and it said they started praying and uh, if you go over to chapter 2 uh, and verse uh, 1 there, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. So they'd been praying and focusing and listening to the Holy Spirit. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, they were all with one accord in one place. Uh, so they obviously were still of that one mind and that one accord, and they were, they were focused together. And it says here, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And uh, again, when I see uh, stuff go on in this church, uh, pastor preaching, the Holy Spirit working, and people responding, uh, that's exactly what they saw. Uh, it's not the singing that works that up. Uh, it's not uh, our loving spirit that works that up. Uh, it's just the Word of God and uh, the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God. And so, again, it wasn't them. It was the Holy Spirit showing up, and it was like a mighty rushing wind. And it says here that obviously stuff started happening. They were preaching. People heard it in their own tongues, and we know 3,000 people got saved, baptized, and joined the church. Uh, and, and, I mean, that, that's a great day. That's a great response. And, uh, and, and so what we're going to see in the conclusion is the difference between that day and today. Because I'd love to see 3,000 people get saved, but I never have. So there's something different. I'd love to see 3,000 people get baptized. Uh, we'd probably have to clean the water a couple times, or it would be really nasty, because I have seen 500 people get baptized in one weekend. Whew, that was some rough water, all right, uh, and so forth. So, but I would love to see that happen, but it hasn't happened since. So there must be something different about that day to our day, and I don't want to be part of the problem. And that's where we're heading. Uh, so we see here that they, they, they were in one mind and one accord, and what happened? The church was empowered. Because they were in one mind and one accord. The church was empowered. That mighty Russian wind showed up. And Peter didn't start saying, hey, look at me. He was like, whoo. And he wasn't pointing to the, the little pebble. He was pointing to the rock. He knew what was going on. Uh, and so, uh, again, the church was empowered. Uh, and it's empowered when we get in our place and let God be in his place. Uh, not only was it empowered, the church at Antioch, was established. That church right there was established on that day uh, because they had people wanting to join. Uh, and it was empowered. And then not only did it, did it get established, it extended into Judea and Samaria. Uh, and they started going soul winning and they, they reached out. And then uh, not only was it extended, it was enlightened also. Uh, they had witnessed all the Jews. Uh, the Bible says that every city, every person in every city, uh, they had done what they were supposed to do. They had uh, basically 
filled up that city with their doctrine. And some of them said, all right, I don't want anything to do with that. So they were enlightened that, hey, you can start witnessing to the Samaritans and the rest of the Gentiles and so forth. And so it was not only uh, in, it extended, it was enlightened. And uh, because of that, it was enlarged. Uh, and so that's uh, obviously the goal of our acts is to enlarge this church. And so we uh, need to do our, our part uh, in that. And so we're going to look and see what happened to that church. First thing after it was being, why was it enlarged? Because they got saved by faith. Uh, that's how to enlarge our church. Uh, if, you know, each one reach one, we've all heard that. Uh, if everybody would go and get one more, we could double the size of the church. Uh, if people start getting saved by faith, it will enlarge, empower all that of our church. So we need to do uh, like the, bo the book of Acts, in verse, if you're in chapter 2, verse 38 through 41. Uh, it enlarged. Why? Because people were getting saved by faith. And then not only did they get saved by faith, uh, they got separated from the world uh, by identifying. They got separated by baptism. Uh, of course, we are a Baptist church, and we're all about baptism, but we don't say you have to be baptized to be saved. Uh, you just got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, we say do that uh, as a picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection, and we're going to die to our old nature and raise up to walk in, in the newness of Christ. Uh, so we're separated by baptism. But then not only uh, did this church get enlarged because they got saved by faith and they got separated by baptism, they were sound in doctrine. And uh, praise the Lord for a pastor that knows the Word of God, that studies the Word of God, and that, that keeps it in here, the right kind of doctrine, and tells us to beware of those wolves in sheep's clothing and how people can creep in unawares and things like that. Praise God for a sound doctrine church. Uh, and so uh, all these things that we're looking at, our church is just like that church back then. We're getting to the place where we're not. Uh, but right now, we're all saved by faith. We've all been separated by baptism, we all appreciate a pastor in the Word of God that teaches us sound doctrine. Uh, then not only that, uh, this church was strong in fellowship. Strong in fellowship. Uh, I, I, I wish I could talk to everybody. Uh, you know, but I, I try, I come in, and, I, and I've got duties that I have to do, or a pastor will squish me. All right, you know, have this ready, have this ready, have this ready. I want this done, da, da, da. And so I'm a lot of times, but I like to talk to you guys. Uh, and, and there's a few of you that I see coming and I run out. The, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I like the fellowship, too. Uh, I, I even like fellowshipping with these little dweebs. All right. And uh, we, we had a good time at the hayride. Uh, and, you know, some of them got almost knocked off by limbs and, and things like that and, uh, and, and so forth. But that's a good time of fellowship. Uh, and then, you know, we were we were real goobers. We stayed up till one or two o'clock in the morning fellowshipping after they left. Amen. <laughs> we were we were dead tired the next day, but uh, we were having a good time fellowshipping. And, and uh, obviously, the fellowshipping can be around squirrel hunting, can be around hay riding. Uh, some of you go fishing together. Some of some of us went to a race the other night. We can fellowship around all kinds of stuff. Food is the best thing to fellowship around. All right, but praise the Lord for a strong fellowship in our church that we believe the same. Uh, we, we believe the same about the Bible. We believe the same about salvation. We believe There's strong fellowship in that. And so praise the Lord for that. Uh, and then, this is a good one. Look at verse 42. It says, they were simple in worship. Simple in worship. And a lot of us can identify with that. They didn't make it weird. And all these churches out there that, you know, you have to love everything and love everybody. And they, they make it weird. 
You just got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Get baptized, read your Bible, pray, do your best. All right? Why? Because you're going to stand before God one day. That's as simple as it can be. You don't have to pray through and give this much and do that and wear this type of underwear like the Mormons say. and things. They make it complicated. And they, they didn't say, you've got to keep the law to get to heaven. That would be very complicated. We can't. It's simple. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and get baptized, obey the Bible, and, and live, live the best you can and ask Him to help you. It's simple in worship. Uh, and then we see here, not only were they simple in worship, they were steadfast in prayer. They started in the upper room, and they kept praying until that day approached, and then they kept praying afterwards. They were steadfast in prayer. Uh, again, I love to see all the little, the little prayer request slips go up in Sunday school. And uh, I love to see when they're taken off because God answered that prayer. Uh, and, and, and I believe we got some praying people in our church. Uh, there are several people, if, the, if I had something that I really needed to, to, to pray about, I would text them. Why? Because I know they'd be steadfast in prayer. And, 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 and that's, this church was steadfast in prayer. Then not only were they steadfast in prayer, they had a sanctified life. They had a sanctified life. In other words, what, they, what happened was they got saved by faith, so the Holy Spirit was living in them. They were obedient, and they got baptized. And then they, they started fellowshipping with one another and letting that iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, and then they were worshiping together and they were praying together and it started showing on the outside. And the Bible teaches that the inside is the most important. But if the inside's right, the outside will start showing what's going on on the inside. Uh, and so praise the Lord, this is what happened to this church. They were sanctified in their life. Uh, you know, the people at work started asking them, why don't you come hang out with us anymore? I don't do that anymore. Uh, why don't you drink this or why don't you uh, say these words anymore? I, sanctified life. Uh, and this is what was happening. That's why this church was, was so strong. They were uh, uh, down in verse 44 and 45. We see here that they were sold on the gospel. And of course, they, uh, they sold everything they had and they gave it to build the house of God uh, and to, 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 get me, to get people uh, you know, saved and, and, and to get the gospel out. And obviously, this church, uh, a year ago or so, pledged over a million dollars in this three-year campaign. I believe our church is sold on the gospel. Uh, there's people that have church in buildings that we paid for, on property that we bought. Uh, we're sold on the gospel uh, and, and so forth. We support missionaries. Uh, we have, I've known people in our church over the years that sold vehicles and give the money, sold jewelry and gave the money. Uh, sold land and gave the money. Uh, why? Because we're sold on the gospel. We're sold on what uh, Jesus is doing. So our church is like this church in that facet. And then we see here in verse 46 and 47 that they were singing from the heart. They were singing from the heart. Uh, again, this is an area that I kind of uh, oversee in our church. And I, I praise God every time, even tonight. I believe Brother Amos is a, is a royal descendant, and he believes it. And he sang it from his heart. And I could go through the rest of the people that stand up here, even the bigger groups, because it's coming from right here. Okay? We don't have show-offs. We don't have performers. Uh, we don't have people that do gigs. Uh, we have people that love God and sing from right here. And that's why our church is like that church back then. They weren't, they weren't singing to show out. They weren't singing to say, look how good I am. Hey, you ought to put me on, on, the, on the list for Sunday, things like that. No, no, no. 
They just couldn't help themselves. They love God. Uh, and again, I, ha I have to be very selective on songs that I sing. Why? Because I, I like to listen to the words. Uh, and you know, there's one that I've sung a couple times. And it's called Someday. And there's a verse in there about, about a mom watching her little boy that died running in the gates of in, in, in the city in the streets of heaven. That happened to my mom. I got to I watched my mom hold my little brother in her lap and taking him to the hospital, seeing the tire tracks on the side of his head, and him passing away that night. I know he's in heaven. I know he's not hurting anymore. So when you sing from your heart and it's real, that stuff goes on in me. All right. Uh, you can punch me in the head, and I probably wouldn't cry. All right, I've smashed my finger, and I've you know wrote a few words down, and Brother Warden signed it, and because uh, he said those words before I have it. But anyway, I'm, I'm pretty tough when it comes to pain and tolerance and all that kind of stuff. But man, thinking about how awesome God is, and about how heaven's going to be awesome, I just can't help it. <laughs> they were singing from the heart. And uh, so we see here that they, they were saved by faith and they were separated by baptism and they were sound in their doctrine. They were strong in their fellowship and they were simple in their worship. They didn't make it hard and unattainable and unreachable. And they were steadfast in prayer and they had a sanctified life and they were sold on the gospel and they were singing from their heart. And lastly, we see here in verse 47, they had a successful witness, a successful witness. And, uh, I mean, there, I don't know of a week that goes by that there's some, somebody in our church that doesn't lead someone to Christ. And that's awesome to me. And so we see here there's a lot of ways that our church is like that church at Antioch. Now, why? Because all the same reasons. We have, the, we have the promise living inside of us. We're working the plan. And we're waiting on that last piece of prophecy to happen when he comes back. Uh, but we have a list of things here where uh, our church, uh, or maybe not our church, but churches of our world today are different uh, than the church at Antioch. And that's what we talk in, or in a New Testament survey today. And we have a list. We have then and now. Then and now. And again, back then, I know it wasn't 100% of the people. Everybody didn't get saved. A lot of people did, but everybody. And then in our day and time now, Everybody's not this deprived. Uh, we still have, praise God, I believe, 10 righteous people that live in our nation. That's why God's hand has stayed. Uh, so, I, again, I'm, I'm not one of those that everybody and always and every time. Uh, but kind of theoretically here, we see back then, they, the, the people of the world were receptive to the word. And now in our day, people are rebellious to the word. And I believe this goes to non-saved and saved. Back then, saved people heard the Word of God and it fired them up and they sang from their heart and they rejoiced and they fellowshiped around the Word of God, things like that. And we got some people that's been saved 15, 20, 30 years and they don't even come to church. And then we do have people that heard the gospel for the first time back then and they, and they, they were receptive to the Word of God. They got saved and we, again, I talked about it earlier. We have people come sit in our service all the time, not saved, and they hear how they can get saved, and somehow, some way, they walk out that door. They're rebellious to the word. So again, in, our, in their time, more people were receptive to the word. In our day and time, people were rebellious to it. 
Uh, they say, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't care what the Bible says. They rebel. Uh, and here's another one. Back then, they were obedient to the Spirit. In our day and time, more people are disobedient to the Spirit. And I know this happens because the Holy Spirit tells preacher or pastor what to preach. And, and, and sometimes he's very adamant about it. Somebody needs this tonight because God woke me up or God changed my sermon two minutes ago and, and, and things like that. And then he obviously delivers it through the power of the Holy Spirit and then with a broken heart. And nobody comes. Disobedient to the Holy Spirit. I guarantee the Holy Spirit's doing his part of convicting. Uh, but we got some people disobedient. Uh, excuse me. Back then, they had people added to the church, and in our day and time, we have people subtracted from the church. Back then, they got saved, and they were excited about it, and they were all in one accord. And in our day and time, there's a lot of people that aren't in one accord, and that's why they're subtracted from the church. Took my seat. Took my parking spot. You know, got to sing the solo when I should have. Pastor asked him to do this, and I, I wanted to do that. I'm leaving. Subtraction from the church. Back then, it was additions to the church, not subtractions from the church. And I've been here long enough to see a lot of people come and a lot of people go. So it's sad that there are subtractions from the church. Here's one. They continued in prayer all night in that upper room and all the way until the day uh, that approached. And they continued in prayer. And we have a lot of people in our day and time that have ceased in prayer. They cease in prayer. They stop praying. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we should bathe everything we do in prayer. Every decision that we make in prayer. Every action that we take in prayer. We're supposed to continue, not cease. Uh, here's another one. Uh, they were steadfast in service. And we have some people that are unstable in service or in our day and time. So they were steadfast. Uh, whatever was asked of them, they did it. And however the Bible said to do it or however the, the Holy Spirit said to do it, they did it. And we've, and we've got people that are unstable uh, in their service. Back then, there was a fear of God. And, I mean, there's even people that have stickers on their vehicles nowadays that says no fear. There's no fear of God. Uh, I, I, I just can't comprehend that. I mean, he's the one that put the breath in my lungs. He could take it out just like that. I have a fear <laughs> uh, of the Lord. Uh, a respect not a, oh, he's going to kill me, but a respect. I want to live right. I want him to bless me. Uh, they had a fear of God. In our day and time, there's not a lot of people that have a fear of God. Uh, they sold their possessions, and we got a lot of people that keep their possessions. Oh, mine. Uh, I'm not getting rid of that. Uh, I mean, the Holy Spirit's convicted me before and said, I, I want you to get rid of this. Taking too much of your time, or I want you to get rid of this and give this to the to the to the cause of Christ. Uh, they gave everything. Uh, there's a lot of people today. That's that's that is their goal is their possessions. Uh, they, they they think the Bible says he that hath the most toys at the end wins. Uh, and that, you know again that's it's all about their possessions. Uh, they were in one accord, and a lot of our churches they're in discord. And again that that that's wicked. The Bible calls that an abomination. Uh, again, we ought to be for each other, not against. Uh, praying, not backbiting. Uh, you know, encouraging, not gossiping. Uh, they were in one accord. A lot of our churches in our day and time are in discord. Uh, they went from house to house. 
And in our day and time, most people go from church to church. And where I grew up, this happens a lot because there's a church on every corner. In other words, if the pastor steps on your toe, boop, you're going down the road. All right? So I think if we went house to house, we'd stay in a church longer than, you know, because we'd be all about soul winning. Uh, and we'd be on the, on the same page of, of the pastor. And we'd be, we'd be on the same page of the plan and the promise and the prophecy. Because we, we would cease not from going to house to house. But those people that stop going from house to house, they start going from church to church. And what are they looking for? They're looking for one that they can be comfortable in. And our world's even jumped on that. And they feel just like they're in a nightclub. Uh, if they go to this church... Uh, and, and so forth, they, 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 they stop, they go church to church instead of house to house. Uh, these people, the Bible says, they were glad. In our day and time, so, pe- so many people are sad. I mean, they just got a sad look on their face. What's wrong with you? Uh-huh. Bruh, if there's something going on in here, this will show it. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, again, I mean, we ought to be glad, not sad. Uh, and then back then, they praised God. And in our day and time, we praise men. We do praise the millionaires. And it's all about, man, if I could just have what Jobs has, or if I could have what Gates has, if I could have what, and we go down the sports stars list. They didn't, they had nothing compared to my God. I'd rather be like God than LeBron. I'd rather be like God than anybody. Uh, you know, so we ought to praise God. And what the, the emphasis is on in our day and time, even spiritual realms, you know, we're, we're, it's all about our appearance and our effectiveness and what we can accomplish. We're just servants of God. We ought to just praise God. Anything we do good, it's just because God helped us. And we ought to praise Him for it, uh, not praise men. And so we see here that there was thousands of people getting saved, thousands of people getting baptized, and thousands of people joining the church. And if we're honest, I mean, we do see people get saved often. And we see the baptismal waters get stirred every once in a while. And praise God, we've had some people join lately. And so that's, that's, that's good. But in our world, and you say, well, what do we do? Uh, I believe, obviously, we, we take that promise, and we work the plan, and we watch for that prophecy. But I believe, just like in the Bible, for such a time as this, God knew this church would be here at this time. And uh, obviously we have Noah. His church wasn't that big. But for such a time as this, Noah had those people on that ark. And it carried on. Uh, And we could go through the Bible. Uh, Naomi, uh, you know, and then we have Esther. For such a time as this. So we're not, God didn't forget about us and leave us here at this time. But we ought to try our best to be more like that church than the churches that we see in our world today. So it's up to us uh, to, to take the promise that we've been given, work the plan that we've been given until we see that prophecy. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you.